Welcome back to Now, a series of podcasts where we celebrate all things related to the variously compiled world of pop. In the company of some wonderful guests, we open up gatefold vinyl sleeves, unfold cassette inlays, slip out CD booklets, and explore how our favourite compilation albums have shaped our lives and now fondly stand as time capsules for our own pop culture journeys. And join in with me, Ian, and the Back to Now social community by searching for the Pop Rambler pages. Joining me for this episode is Niall McMurray. Since we last met Niall, he's gone back on his word and decided to keep into the Pop Void archived and has instead combined his love of music with his day job at Foils, the world's greatest bookshop, bagging the elusive Trevor Horn for a conversation about his incredible career and throwing a launch for back-to-now alumnus Michael Craig's flawless Reach for the Stars book, where he and Nicola Roberts from Out of Girls Aloud enraptured a sellout crowd with some frankly hilarious gossip. He also sold a ton of Barbara Streisand and Britney Spears memoirs by sticking them on a table together under the headings Total BS. This may explain why he doesn't yet work in marketing. Niall also went to see Madonna's celebration tour on two consecutive nights and may need to talk about it and his favourite song of 2023 was Kylie's Hold On To Now and he's thrilled to be back on Back To Now. Well of course he is. Niall, how I are really you? I really am. The last time we met was in person in real life. We're actually friends now in real life. You we are. To see me we at are. A Christmas lunch night at work. Uh, yes, lovely to have you back. The thing is, because you are a returning guest, we don't have to go through the preamble. No, we don't. And what we'll say to any of our listeners is, if you want to find out about Niall's backstory, go back to now nineteen. I also have got a funny feeling that we're going to revisit some interesting youthful moments in this episode. Oh yes, we are. I've picked a doozy of a year um, for this particular <laughs> one. I didn't realise actually. I after I've done it, I sort of picked it out of a hat almost. And yeah. then as I was going through it and then I looked at the date, I was like, oh, this was a big year. So, oh, yeah. yeah. What to talk about? Well, do you know, it's interesting because when guests select an album and then we go through copious amounts of preparation, because these, I mean, these shows aren't just thrown together, listeners. I mean, they, they, these shows take months and literally minutes of preparation. I also went back and have... I, I don't know, I've, I've unearthed some skeletons in my past here <laughs> through these 35 top chart hits. Um, so this is going to be therapy, really, isn't it? It is going to be therapy. Then. So yeah. listeners, Great. buckle up. Before we do get to the album, Foils, the festive launch night was amazing. Rob Delaney literally chasing me around the place for my autograph. Uh, I got a photograph with him. I went up to him and I said, hello, I'm a, a middle-aged gay man who works at Foils. Would you mind having your photograph taken with us <laughs> holding this side? and it was a sign saying romance from the romance department and he very nicely went oh I was hoping he would ask me that and had the photo taken and it was brilliant and I put a B on the front so it says romance he's not been back in touch since mind you but you know we are good friends it was it was almost like a kind of festive fever dream it was wonderful Rob Delaney was sitting up on one bit and there was Dolly Allerton was sitting next to him and then downstairs the, the incredibly tall but wonderful Michael Cragg was playing Scandalous um, yeah, by we Mystique we got a bit to detail it was brilliant it was, it was just <laughs> And it was like everywhere you turned. Oh look, there's um, there's Matt Osman from from Suede, mm. and there's an, another Michael. man with cheese. <laughs> mm, yes, the man with cheese was great. Yes, Michael Halen was there. Honestly, it was celebrity studied. They were literally queued out the door. They were, and I spent most of my night outside holding <laughs> a sign saying, "If you're not queuing to meet the cast of Ghosts, just go right on it." I think something to do with you standing in a kilt probably brought the crowd in as well. Can we say that? We can say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it certainly helped a little bit. Yes. The next thing I'm doing there, though, is the long delayed I'm opening my own wee record shop inside Foils we've had for many many years a, a jazz shop in there called Ray's Jazz um, so I'm opening a little pop equivalent and I'm 
Unofficially, I'm calling it Carly Rae's. <laughs> now, this was not my idea. It was another member of staff. Brilliant idea, but I mean, how could you not call it Carly Rae's for a pop shop? Of course. I can't wait. Sorry. Coming soon to Foyle's Bookshop. Oh, the bookshops are available. I don't know if we're allowed to. <laughs> oh, we can see anything we like. We're not advertising. Yeah, anything at all. Absolutely. <laughs> it's now 25 with R.E.M. 35 chart-topping hits with Danny Minogue, Robin S, Chaka Demas and Pliers. Now 25 with Tina Turner. The number one from George Michael and Queen, Gloria Gaynor, Freddie Mercury. And the number one from Ace of Bass. It's now 25. Now that's what I call music. Cut to the preamble because listeners are now positively salivating at the prospect of this pop jamboree that we're about to enter. It is summer 1993. Released on the 2nd of August, it is the 25th Now album. I'm holding up, again for the audio listeners, my vinyl copy. I I have a vinyl copy of Now 25, which I'd love to say I bought at the time, queued up outside HMV. I didn't. I bought it much later on eBay for a ridiculously eye-watering price, but there we go. Right, okay. Where were you in 1993 now? Let's set this up. So, summer 93, I had just turned... 21. I'd, I'd been abroad for the first time. I went to Milan on holiday to visit a friend who was doing um, university stuff there. So I was a, a traveller. This is my first time abroad, so that was amazing. And I was, I think, in third year of university. Now, 25, came out a few weeks before I did. That didn't exactly go to plan. That was quite a dramatic coming out, which um, didn't go down too well at home. It's all fine now. But um, it involved the police. It involved national newspapers involved one of the cast of that's life sending me messages of support it was a very dramatic time and it took a long time to recover from so it was a pretty seismic year for me it was about my world sort of shattered all of a lot of these records um are sort of resident of that time one of them is very much linked with it all the others it's all just like tarnished by everything that came immediately afterwards so it was a in some ways a good year in some ways it was the worst year of my life but I wouldn't be who I am today without it. Do you know what I mean? So it made me a very different person. It made me very, I guess, strong and and able to stand on my own two feet, I guess, and sort of learn that I had to rely on myself. So it was quite a, a lesson, a lesson learning year. First of all, thank you for sharing that, because that's... that's right. I mean, I've never ever really talked about it. I think maybe I've spent 30 years bottling all this up. So pop is the way that I process everything. So I figured I may as well just mention it in passing. So... It, it must have been interesting, and I say that without being flippant, revisiting some of these tracks. It really was. Um, one of them sort of became my theme tune for a long time afterwards, and still to this day, I can't put it on without sort of going immediately back there. But I still love the song, weirdly. It's not tarnished it for me. And when I listen back to the words of the song, they've got no relevance to my situation whatsoever. But something about it was like, it was almost like a, there's going to be a happy ending here. The whole set is just so linked to that time. It's just like, it was such a great summer, 93. Yeah, so these these songs are all what, the, the happy summer preceding the winter and the, the winter of discontent. Yeah, and thankfully we're still here. 13. We are, we are, as are these records that have been yes. preserved for us. Yes, yeah. You've been here before. You mm-hmm. know how a song comes on the radio or a song pops up and we visualise what comes next and I'm guessing that's the case with this album Oh absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to dig into this one honestly. I was going to say this one does of course famously contain my least favourite record 
of all time and you don't know what that is yet no I don't and, and you've been teasing me over emails for the last <laughs> couple of weeks with that as I was kind of dipping back into some of these tracks I thought it's that one and then I found another one I thought no it's that one there so I have absolutely no idea now I think before we do dig into this it is fair to say that it's a roller coaster would that be correct it is a roller coaster, yeah. It doesn't always follow standard now rules. It gets more exciting in some ways towards the end of side four. It does. Or, side and, two, or disc two, and um, which doesn't always, isn't usually the case. There's some real wobbles and some curveballs and, yeah, very, very interesting indeed. What format did you have this on? I had this on cassette. Oh. It was one of the few ones that I actually had and I had it on cassette for some reason. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I love seeing it in a sale. Yes. I thought that'd be good for the car. I have I to see. Fiat Panda at the time. Oh, I, that was my first car, Fiat Panda. Oh, loved it. I think I was on CD, but I've got my vinyl copy here. Uh, I have to say, it sounds rotten on vinyl because there are 35 songs crammed into oh, yeah, tiny, that's tiny, tiny wee tracks. But uh, anyway, uh, so record one, side one is Somebody to Love, George Michael and Queen. Was this one of the ones they did at the, five, at the, the concert? Is this one of the Five Live things? So this is the Five Live EP. Yes. Is it the one where he's wearing that red blazer? Yes. When he's on stage? Yes, right. I remember this part of George's mm-hmm. hair in the blazer more than anything else. I mean, one of the records on the, of the album, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's just, it's what it is, isn't it? It's just there. It's, it's called the Five Live EP, but there's only four songs in it. So, But then one of them was Killer and Papa was Rolling Stone, so I think that's... And then there was Lisa, was Lisa Stansfield Lisa on Lisa Stansfield one? was on it, doing these, oh, the, right. these Are the Days of Our Lives. I've got a funny feeling she, she was dressed up. She had the rollers in, didn't she? She had the rollers in. She was doing the oh, no. Once Break Free video and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's Queen. It's, it's I mean, what I would say, it was George Michael winning over a relatively heterosexual Queen crowd, which is pretty impressive. Yes, that is quite impressive. Um, the concert had been a whole year before this, April 92, um, number one for three weeks. So what was the reason for ramming it out in 93 then? Queen wanting to be in the marketplace, maybe? I don't know, because, um, I mean, I'm just thinking, 93 was a relatively quiet year for George Michael. I think everything was uh-huh. relatively quiet for George Was he yeah. not fighting Sony at this point or something? I wouldn't say that's a huge, big banger of a start for a now album. No, and that's what, like, it's not like the, the hit that everybody remembers from that summer. Let's move on. Track two. It's is... my least favourite record of all time. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'm so you know well no not really but when I was prepping for this I thought Niall's going to come out and say actually this is the song that turned my life around and I'd and I'd have to kind of pull a face. No, this is the song that made me want to go and pollute a river. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. Honestly, it's so. But Linda Perry, don't get me wrong, very talented. Yes, has done some brilliant songs. Did a lovely one with Milan Farmer just a few years ago, though she impersonates Edith Piaf the whole way through. A lot of time for her, but this song can just. Getting the bin. Oh, I've never felt so patronised or bored in mm. three minutes. Just like this, who was styling them? Or maybe nobody. I don't know. I don't think anybody it, was. Everything them. about them was just the antithesis of, of of. It was like the bangles had been left and got to go to seed or something. Awful. And again, it's a slow start to the album. I have to say, even now when this song comes on the radio, I just think, oh, there's three minutes of my life. No, no. Yes, there've been situations where I've actively got up and walked out of a room if this has come on, or left a bar. If this has come on because oh. it, just, it just makes my blood boil. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Linda. No, well, let's see. I mean, she, she's probably not that bothered. She's probably, well, we know she's gone on to bigger things. Illustrious <laughs> list of stars that she's gone on to work with. Um, Even their name, actually, for non That's the point. It's just, yeah, just, it's needlessly willfully reactionary. And it's yeah. just like, oh, shut up. 
Number um, two in this country, number one in Bulgaria. Right, didn't write that off my holiday list. <laughs> right, next up is Tina Turner. I Don't Want to Fight, number seven. I have a clear memory of, of this song. It's me and my wee Fiat Panda driving from Money Ive down to Dumfries to see my pals. And it was a blazing summer day. I had the windows down. And I was driving down this lovely country back road and I was just thinking, you know what, life doesn't get much better than this. This is the song I was talking about that sort of became my theme tune to mm. everything because it comes on at the end of what's I've got to do yeah, in yeah. the movie. For me, it just became the song. And it's just it sort of stayed with me through mm. what happened with, uh, with my, my parents. It's one of Tina's best songs, I yeah. think. And the opening, I don't know, I just adore it. Written by Lulu. That's the thing. Uh, For Shady. For Shady. But actually, I think in Tina's hands, it's probably better. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know what Lula was thinking, giving it to Shandy. No. It's, it's not very much in her wheelhouse, as we'll hear later from the Shandy song. Exactly. It's a great, great song. Next up for her was going to be Disco Inferno as well. She did, yeah. I mean, she recorded that in the 70s, one of those awful cheap albums you used to find for like £2 and then Boots for the career took back off. Again, this is the version that was a single. Terrible and seems so wildly out of place in 1993. But... However, though, and we'll come to this later, there was quite a disco flavour in 1993. Let's not race away ahead of ourselves. Track four is Jonas, Lynn, Jenny and Ulf, or to you and I, Ace of Bass, all that she wants. I was wondering why it's spelled B-A-S-E and not Ace, as in B-A-S-S. I never, what, yeah. what does Ace of Bass mean? That's just quietly blown my mind a wee bit now. <laughs> but actually, you're right, yeah. I, I hated this song at the time. I've kind of grown to love it a bit now. What are they trying to say with this record? Are they sort of doing an early form of slut-shame or actually saying, do you know what, she's great, she's just out to get a man and then she's moving on. I don't really understand what their what their message is here. Uh, no, uh, well, I mean, at the time, it was obviously Baby was was a partner. It wasn't, it wasn't a... But at the time, we all thought, originally, like, is she just out to get a, a baby baby? So, yeah, th- this, interestingly, pop fans, one of the early Dennis Pop productions, obviously man that would go on to basically mm-hmm. take over the world uh, alongside uh, Max... Martin... Max Martin. I had Max Miller in my head. I'm going, Max Miller? Oh, no, that's that's cross-pollination of weirdness, but there we go. Uh, but, yeah, no, But the, I think the problem was this song was everywhere in that summer, mm-hmm. so you got fed up of it pretty quickly. Yeah, I did. I loved the sign even more. Mm. Um, I think the sign is brilliant. I went on to become a quite an Ace Bass fan. My favourite song of theirs is Life is a Flower. Mm. To this day, I listened to it just yesterday. I really, really love it. The weird thing about it was, huge hit here, in America... They completely changed the words, gave it a new title, and it's called Whenever You're Near Me, and it was rubbish. <laughs> and it's the same backing track, just different words, but it just sinks. What so, was the American's what, big issue with life being a flower, though? Maybe they uh, thought it was too childlike and optimistic oh, for I Americans to handle. I don't know, maybe an American could tell us. Sylvia Patterson smash hits called it unfeasibly catchy. She's um, not wrong there, yeah, she yeah. is. Um, Simon Price uh, from Melody Maker called it Lilting Plinky Plink Reggae Pure 1979 So we're actually hitting a rerun there was, that was, we had George Michael at number one with an ace of bass number there are four number ones on this album now doing what now does next one is another number one which is Gabrielle 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 go with Gabrielle Gabrielle Drake Dreams 
number one for three weeks. Now, th- th- this was a biggie because this, at the time, entered the UK chart number two. It was the highest chart entry for a debut act. Uh, That's because of all the hype around the withdrawal of the Tracy Chapman sample. The Tracy sample, Chapman sample. Because I remember, remember Pete Tong playing it, and, and it was like, wow, that's amazing. And then next week, gone. Fast car sample. Uh-huh. I, I remember hearing it. I think it must have been Pete Tong. I, hear, I heard it on a Sunday night on Radio 1. It was after the charts. I heard it that one time and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And then it came out and it was like, oh, mm. it's not there anymore. I will say, I think it's benefited in, to my ears from a bit of a rest. I've not heard it for quite a long time. Yeah. And when I put it on, it's like, but well, you know what? This is great. And I got a lot of time for Gabrielle anyway. Yeah. She made some absolute brilliant records. Fuck yeah. This. And yeah. I, I don't think this is your best thing. No. Um, I well deserve number one nonetheless. Indeed. Indeed. She pops up quite a lot in those um, talking head type shows, and she always comes across as really, like, you know, the person you'd like to go out. Uh huh. Gabrielle. I think she'd be a good laugh. Yeah. I think she'd be a really yeah, good I think laugh. Gabrielle is laugh. And like, if you got into trouble in a night out, I also think Gabrielle would be quite handy. Oh, I, she I should don't know be, why, I just get that impression. She'd be well handy. There are tracks coming up later on in this album in nightclubs that I frequented in 1993 where having Gabrielle <laughs> on your side would have been really, really good idea. Again, we'll come to that later. <laughs> so, the album's going really well. We've had lots of big hits, lots of proper top mm. chart hits. You can see where I'm going here, listeners. Oh, can yes, you? I can. Let's, let's do one of those now, take a punt on what's going to be big, and let's go to You Come From Earth by Lena Fiagby. Now, I had her hit, what was it, um, Got to Get It Right. I loved that. That was great. It was one of those giant, almost obscuring the cover 99P labels that you used to get on yes. CD singles. Yes. And I don't think I'd heard you come from Earth. And no. actually, it's really good, but it's not the single to launch somebody with, no. I don't think. No. Now, Got to Get It Right turns up on now 26. So there were mm-hmm. obviously... And that was, what, number 20 or something? Yeah. And that, that was... Bit, but that would have been a much better launch single than this. Mm-hmm. The British public or the record companies, they can only handle a certain type of artist in a certain quantity. So around that time, we had Desway and Mm. we had thoughtful singer-songwriters at that time. We don't have enough bandwidth sometimes for more than one. And she was on Bono's label. Maybe that hindered her. I know. And it's on side one as well. Mm -hmm. So somebody... Well, I suppose you could see people saying, right, there's weight behind this here. It's going to have traction, mm-hmm. but no. Nah, this was number 79. No, sorry, this was number 69. So give you 10. But, I mean, listen, listen to this one, readers, because it's actually a, the message of the song is absolutely brilliant and mm. um, quite rare to hear in 1993. Really good. Right, slight odd sequencing here because it then goes to Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. There's another one that's benefited from a rest for me. Yeah, one of R.E.M.'s biggest UK hits. Yeah, biggest from um, Automatic for the People as well, wasn't yep. it? The fourth of six single releases, Warner Brothers, getting your getting your money's worth there. Do you know what? I mean, we, we can get sort of, um, oh God, this one again. But it is a song that has saved lives and not many songs you can say necessarily do that. Exactly, um, yeah. In isolation, if you've not heard it for a while, it is stunning jaw-droppingly good. Yeah. Um, we just all got a bit tired of it. And the amazing video too, obviously, in the cars and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. So I haven't really got a bad word to say about it. I think no. R.E.M. are terrific. Um, yes. but it always surprises people that know me that I like so many R.E.M. records. My favourite being Night Swimming. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, and R.E.M. are very tied into my first year at university. Was it Out of Time? or one of, uh, What was before Automatic for the People? Before it was Out of Time, yeah. It was out of time, yeah. yeah. I think that was just fairly new out. And then mm. my second year, Automatically People came out. Yeah. And I was in student halls and everybody just like, liked R.E.M. And I, to my surprise, found that I did too. What actually struck me, going back through this album, obviously this is single snapshots of 1993, was how many 
brilliant albums came out in 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, not all represented here, but you know, personally, <laughs> personally, <laughs> um, a lot of albums like Automatic for the People, like um, Modern Life is Rubbish, a lot of albums that actually have stuck with me. Very came out in 93. Very indeed. Um, mm. Very relentless as well. Which I yes, know. which I just bought on vinyl. Relentless. Oh, so did I. My oh, head is spinning. Um, um, one thing leads to another. One oh, it's just marvellous. But you know, you mentioned that automatically the people, everybody had it, and it was an album that landed and didn't need nurtured. Everybody just got mm-hmm. it. Everybody was straight into it, straight off, and it was it was one of the, and yeah, I mean, it's it, it's one of these songs now that lives in its own orbit. It's just it's, yeah. it is there. It's untouchable. And then we finish off with uh, Regret by New Order, lead single from Republic. Oh, this is one of my favourite favorite oh, records of brilliant. all time. I love a record with an exciting beginning. This is like a 10-second war between electric guitar and synthesizer, yeah. electric guitar and synthesizer, and then Hookie comes in and, and unites the two with, with his bass, and it's probably the first time Hookie's ever settled an argument. But um, it's just <laughs> so thrilling. And they did that Top of the Box performance on Baywatch set, for some reason, on a beach. With the hot. Wildly. Yeah. We were standing there with all the hot sort of lifeguards. And the design of the whole um, the Republic era, I just loved the yeah. sleeves. Regret to me, just like, you can, um, this record fires me up every single time. That was probably my record of the, the year, I would think. Yeah. Regret. Because they'd been away, been away since World in Motion. And, and... I hadn't loved technique as much as other people. I was late to the sort of yeah. sound at the time. I was just like, there's no tunes. Um, so I loved <laughs> this, that it was all melody. <laughs> <laughs> just see you at a party. There's no tunes on this there's album. No there's no tunes. Um, but yeah, no, and it was, uh, yeah, because I mean, Republic was loaded. I mean, it was it, it was it was a kind of back on track thing um, mm-hmm. for New Order. And it was, and for us that had been New Order fans, it was like you could walk tall again and go, they're back, they're back. It was brilliant. Um, I found a quote from Peter Hook, and you have to hear this in a Peter Hook kind of voice which I'm not going <laughs> to do obviously but he says it was the last good New Order song yeah that sounds like him do you know I had the hots for Peter Hook in the 80s I really did moving on <laughs> So our, you're flipping over your cassette and it's Freddie Mercury living on my own. Now, would you not have sworn this was Giorgio Moroder production? Of course. It's not, though. It's one of his lackeys. How much difference was there between the version in 84 and then the remix, 85 rather? Well, it was the beefed remix. up quite a bit. I mean, it was kind was of it? oomphed. Was it sound and... that beefy now when you listen to it? No, no, but it was, it, it was kind of beefed up um, slightly, just given a bit more of a kind of... Be- it went down very well in the clubs of Wishaw, I'll tell you that. I bet, I, and, and it went probably down quite well at Chancers for Dancers and Dumfries as well. <laughs> All the... Annoys me. I, I don't like it when he does that. So well, you see, the good clubbing crowd of Wishaw used to shout, We old lady. <laughs> <laughs> and now you hear it. Now you hear it. Doesn't it go oh, away? That's, I, mean, that's, I can never not do that. No, that's... <laughs> Saturday night in Wishaw, folks. <laughs> we all, so if I went to Wishaw now, 
and was to do that, people would recognise that me Oh, quite probably. <laughs> Although I think arrested. I think most of the clubs have been flattened now and are probably tanning shops. But listeners, just just to kind of put some subtitles in for listeners who aren't from Scotland, uh, Wishaw <laughs> Wishaw is a is a is a lovely provincial town in Lanarkshire. Um, but it was part of the DJ agency rota that I used to work in. So I spent oh. a good few nights DJing in a certain nightclub in Wishaw. Mirrored walls. It was that kind of place. You know. Oh, uh, right. I'm there. Mirrored yeah. walls. Oh. Carpets up to maybe your ankles. That kind of stuff. As I don't, I, I never knew why. Um, and it was it was a midnight till two club, basically. The pub shut. They all piled upstairs and they just fell about for two hours to uh-huh. the old lady record. I, I can smell the fag ass on the carpet. Oh, it was... It was. However, uh, at the same time, I was also DJing in a place called the Tuxedo Princess. If you are from Glasgow or Newcastle, you will know the Tuxedo Princess if you've ever seen it. When you texted me the other day uh, with those words, Tuxedo Princess, I hadn't thought about it for God 30 years and you just made me howl. So the tux- I've never even been on the Tuxedo Princess. No, and, but, but, but you see, you've said the right words there, on the Tuxedo Princess, because it was a floating <laughs> nightclub with a casino in it. It was a boat that was moored in Glasgow, then shifted to Newcastle or came from Newcastle. I can't remember where. The attraction, well, there were many attractions to what was technically <laughs> the love boat on the Clyde. Um, they had a revolving dance floor. And as DJs in the booth, we had the button to control the revolving dance floor. Oh my god! Right, and it would have been about this time. Responsibly. Well, sometimes we didn't use that button responsibly, <laughs> Nyla, and, I'm, and I've, I haven't admitted that in public before. But what you would often do. I mean, we would, well, we never injured anybody. But what you would no. often do is you would wait till maybe like a guy and his pal were standing close to each other, <laughs> one on the dance floor, one oh. just off the dance floor, and you know you would just maybe kind of revolve it, say ninety degrees, and he would just look up and just the look of disorientation in the middle of a nightclub. You know, you wouldn't be allowed to revolve the dance floor now, would you, with the modern health and safety regulations, no. or that a nightclub? On a boat as haggard as the Tuxedo Princess, probably. Exactly. Was. Is it scuppered now? What happened to it? Um, I think it's been scrapped. I don't, I don't um, know. Sealed it up to Scapa Flow and something. I'd imagine. So I would love, love, love to hear anybody's memories of the Tuxedo Princess. If you were on that dance floor and I spun you away for your mate, I'm sorry. That's what I'm going to say. Um, so, yes, that's Freddie Mercury. At the time of the Now 25 release, this was the number one single. So that's always important for now. Uh, right, so, yeah, disco. I will survive, Gloria Gaynor. Back, back, back. I was trying to figure out why this was reissued, and it was just because they'd done the Sister Sledge remixes, uh-huh. and they'd done quite well, wasn't it? That yeah, was it. it was literally that. So, if you have been following the story from now 24, Sister Sledge, best of came out, CD format, 77 minutes of Sister Sledge songs, boom, boom, boom. I think there was three or four Sister Sledge releases that there year. There were, and then there was the whole album, which I reviewed for the Glasgow University student newspaper. Right, okay, so... And, and funnily enough, the editor of that came into my shop the other day. We went on and edit Smash Hits and stuff, mm. and I was, I was, he was buying his book, and I went... Did you used to edit the Glasgow University student newspaper in 1992? And he was like, oh, I did, hi, hi. I said, oh, I used to write for you. You've got memory of me, have you? And he was like, no. So, <laughs> so I'll be sidebar there. But. It was it was literally that. It, it was mm. just, you know, let, let's get these remixed. And guess what? There was a Best of Gloria Gaynor album come out as well. Of course. Of, of, um, yeah. With all her many other hits. Yeah. Uh, never, never Can Say Goodbye. Honeybee I always quite liked. That's, um, but the guy who did the remix, Phil Kelsey, I, I was Phil Kelsey, I was looking into him. Do you ever get, like, the DMC DJ mixes? Yes, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. He did loads of those. And they were always brilliant. They had all these amazing mega mixes. Yeah, yeah. And he was yeah. one of the, the, the main people that did those. Yeah. So that, that interesting. Yeah. I got lost in a... Gloria Gaynor sized rabbit hole. <laughs> 
when I was doing that. So many people have covered this song. Yes. I mean, ridiculous. Diana Ross's version is, is probably the low point in that. Well, I don't know, because I haven't heard Hermes House Band's version. That must be pretty oh, grim. Oh, God. Um, there was a really good slow version of it around the same time as Diana's. Diana Ross's one, wildly inappropriately, starts with her going, this one's for my girls. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you saying this to your girls? I don't... <laughs> not good, it's not good. Um, no. Billy Joe Spears' version I haven't heard either. I'm going to dig that one out. And Madonna in the Celebration Tour. Oh, just like, yeah, I was there that night. Yeah. Funnily yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, so... And it was good. It was just a nice crowd sing-along. Yeah. But it was a spontaneous... Um, moment and from a woman who's not that spontaneous and but the whole show she was very sort of chatty with the audience yeah. uh, is this where we talk about Madonna well, now that, that was that was your lead in Niall <laughs> off you go <laughs> yes oh my god like, I was I think we were all a bit worried about the celebration tour but Madonna she's gone away she thought right it's legacy protecting time I'm going to show them and bloody hell does she show you I mean when she opened with nothing really matters that was just a masterstroke mm. absolute masterstroke the way she tells the story of her arriving in New York um, the staging of it all and it's so inventive the staging of Open Your Heart is like a recreation of the video and that song's not oh, been brilliant. featured that much and like I just lost my shit about a hundred times during it going, yeah. oh my god she does Bad Girl my favourite Madonna ballad of all time yeah. with her daughter Mercy doing the grand piano I loved it so much I found a way to go back the next, the second night um, and, and just, I, if she comes back to do it again or she does stadium gigs in the summer yeah. I will be there Just like, I'm not ready to say goodbye to Madonna yeah. live yet her voice was incredible she was incredible the show was amazing breathtaking <sighs> right stop me and I'll go in all night I'm, I'm actually just going to keep this going because obviously Madonna and now weren't ever particularly bedfellows no um, only, only till in fact very very recently now 116 she popped up with Sam Smith but that doesn't really count but let's just take a minute to celebrate some of the amazing 1992-93 tracks from Madonna that could have been on here because you mentioned Bad Girl for example mm. you uh, know, erotica like um, deeper and deeper deeper, and deeper rain just, um, but I mean yeah. anything I mean the whole erotica fever a version of fever I mean mm. oh, it's just the hits albums were dead by this point, so she wasn't on anywhere. So, well, you take after Gloria Gaynor, deeper and deeper would have just been like amazing. You know what? That year, that that the erotica album has aged so much better than a lot of a lot of her stuff, but a lot of anybody at the time. Thirty years down the line, listening to it again, it's just brilliant. It's just the sign of a woman who knows what she wants to say and is not maybe her peak commercially, but creatively. I think yeah. erotica is brilliant. Just adore it. You're listening to the Back to Madonna podcast. and <laughs> So, um, sequencing malfunction, we're talking disco, and suddenly <laughs> we're in Jamaica for the next uh-huh. four tracks. Um, Do you know what? I, haven't, I haven't written down an awful lot about these. No, I, I, no. I, yeah. so first off, we've got Inner Circle, Sweat, brackets, ah, la, 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 long, close brackets. These were your, your classic party hits of the summer, that, your summer hits, weren't they? They were just your... Well, I mean, without skipping over them too quickly, which we will, um, the next one's probably the biggest one of the lot, which is Tease Me by Chakademus and Pliers. We didn't do much like dancing in fountains and all, and, all, and spraying people with beer in, in Glasgow. Didn't in happen much. Certainly no. didn't happen in Wishaw. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you that for... Um, no, it was it was, it was was just... It, it sounded like something else. It was a party that you weren't really invited to that other people... Uh-huh. Were like, oh, 
look at that over there. That's great. Didn't really work. Were they not asking for it at the TG booth? You were not no. getting much ask for Academus and pliers. If somebody was asking for pliers and wish they were asking for something <laughs> completely different. Um, anyway, I'm never going to be invited back to Lanark at this rate. I really no. am. Um, <laughs> shout it out by Luchi Lu and Mitchy One. I see. Here she comes again. Lulu is haunting the corridors of this complex. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's do a mashup of Peter Gunn and Shout. I mean, inventive, is it not? Yeah. I didn't mind this one actually as much. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, quite, I quite liked that. They sung backing vocals on Cecilia by Suggs. Oh, great. I, I, thanks for reminding me of Suggs' lovely cover version of Cecilia. That was, yep. that was another and, high uh, point in his yeah. career. House Call, which is Shabba Ranks, Maxi Priest. Well, Shabba Ranks can get in the bin, obviously. We're not can't talking he? about Shabba um, Ranks. Thank you very much. Can, can we say this one thing? If you're on a bus anywhere in the country, if you go, Mr. Loverman, somebody, somebody on that bus is going to go, Shabba! You just know it. And that is the only legacy I care to solve. It's the only legacy at all. Anybody, dogs, children, grannies. <laughs> you could do it at a church. You could do it at a funeral. Somebody would go, Shabba! <laughs> I'm going to try it in the next Oh, people. I just actually leaving uh, that. That's, yeah, anyway, we'll move on. Duran Duran. Good year. 1993. Uh-huh. Wedding album. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. This was a, a comeback I was here for. I was not expecting no. a big Duran Duran comeback at this point. I thought they were done. Ordinary World was brilliant. And Come and Done was so different. Yes. And we all thought that was Kate Bush. I thought it was Kate Bush anyway, mm. doing the, the back and forth. Yeah. I'm still not convinced to this day that it isn't. Yeah. Uh, given that she, she did go on a Go West record, but apparently it's not, but it's a big yep. impression. So, anyway, Ordinary World comes out and everybody just stops what they're doing. Duran Duran are back, back, back. And then they follow up with this. It's, you've no it's right like this, to be this good. Uh huh. This moody, sort of gothic sort of underwatery type, sort of. It's just like, it's not anybody's idea of a hit single. No. And yeah, it was a good top 20 hit. 2021. Um, somebody who obviously was COVID bound in the house, nothing else to do, calculated that this was the eighth most streamed Duran Duran song. That doesn't really? surprise me. That surprises me. I mean, I'm thrilled by it. Yeah. But I wouldn't have thought it was beloved in the. But no, in, but. Especially it, in the streaming generation. It's the slow burn of a good song, isn't it? That's the mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of way that actually, you know, things start to filter through, you know. Here's a, a warning story, though. At one point, uh, the co-writer of this, which was uh, Warren Kukurilio, the man who played oh, the guitar, yes, uh-huh. him with the hair, um, yes. and Nick Rhodes, had planned to give this song to a side project they were working on with Gavin Rosdale from Bush. Oh, God, no. Can you imagine what a parallel no. world that would have been? Did that side project ever come to fruition? No, or was it no, no, it didn't. And it didn't because the hero of the day, Simon Le Bon, came in and went... I'm having that. Good old Simon. He knows a good hit when he hears it. Indeed, indeed. But yes, absolutely brilliant. Okay, so we're sliding out. We've got Sunflower, Paul Weller. I'm not a Paul Weller hand, to be honest. And there's a better song called Sunflower now, and it's by Harry Styles. Hmm. That's all I'll say. And next up, Ten Years Asleep by, I need to actually double check, Kingmaker. Kingmaker. I don't know, were were, were, were the Wonder Stuff on holiday? (laughs) Well, It's, it's like... You know, it's like one of those bands you'd get on TFI Friday when Dodgy went off and doing their single. It's, Dodgy have been stuck in traffic, day. but we've got Kingmaker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I'm trying to think what I, what I wrote out of it. Yeah, no, I've got no memory anything? of it whatsoever. Yep. I can remember their logo, funnily enough. No. But I, don't, I, did not, I don't think I ever will listen to a Kingmaker. Well, I, I've written down one thing. I saw them support the Wonder Stuff in 1991 at the Barras. Yeah, yeah. There we go. 
So, and we were probably at the bar, to be honest. Bar is a great venue, though. I saw Electronic there, oh. and I was in fear of my life because you know that sprung dance floor. Oh, it bounces! Yeah. The bass at that gig was like. I really thought that it was going to resonate the floor apart, mm. and we were all just going to fall to our deaths into some awful Glasgow sub basement. But great venue. It is. Well, folks see it, and folk from Glasgow always see it. But it is probably one of the best venues in the world, if not the. Uh -huh. I mean, um, you have to risk your life to get there. Although apparently not now, it's lovely up that. Oh, way. it's very gentrified. My favourite shop in the, ever in the world was in the bar, and it was a children's clothes shop called Wayne's World. <laughs> Wayne's. Spelled W-E-I, yeah, yeah, because yeah. we've got listeners all over the world now, so we have to just spell that one out, Wayne's World. Oh. <laughs> you have to explain what a Wayne is as well, Wayne is a Scottish Wayne, oh, Wayne's World, that's lovely. She's turned the Wayne's against me. Oh dear, yeah, and again, just to contextualise, if you've not ever been to the Barrowland Ballroom in Glasgow, colloquially known as the Barras, mm. you have to go upstairs to it and the floor bounces, a spring-loaded yeah. floor. And like you, there have been a few gigs I've been at where I thought, I'm going to die, mm -hmm. I'm going to fall through at least three floors. It's I saw that electron there and I saw the Human League there and they started with Hard Times, Love Action, one of the great gigs I've ever been to. Oh, wow. I saw David Bowie in the Barras. Wow. What tour though? Oh, it was in a Glass later one. Spider, was it? Uh, no, crikey, no, no. It was um, <laughs> possibly the Earthling tour. So he did do an awful lot of drum and bass, but uh, but you know he still he still played fair hits as well, obviously. But um, that 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 was scary. I'm trying to think <laughs> scariest gigs at the bar is a, a, a side episode. Um, that was pretty <laughs> anyone that Bible John was at. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh right, dear, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we have flipped over the record, we've flipped over the cassette. If you're dead posh in 1993, you've even taken out the second CD from its foam inserted box, but <laughs> let's face it, none of us were doing that. Track one, side three, Tribal Dance by Two Unlimited. Oh God, the memories I have attached to Two Unlimited are, are, are quite traumatic. Anything over 128 beats per minute, I cannot dance to. I mean, I'm not the greatest dancer to start with, I'm very tall, I'm quite awkward on the dance floor. I make the best of it, but if it's too fast, all hope is lost. I can't dance to Take On Me, one of my favourite records, because it's just too fast. It's too fast. And all two unlimited records were too fast. One time, I was out with my pal David and his flatmate Angela, and she loved Two Unlimited. And David wouldn't dance, and she made me dance. There I was. I could not get in the rhythm at all. And I was going faster and faster and faster, and eventually my glasses flew off my head <laughs> on the dance floor. And I then had to... Like scrabble around like Velma and Scooby-Doo <laughs> for my glasses, all the while with this um, techno beat is going on. One of the most, this is in Bennett's in Glasgow, for oh. anyone who remember. And I did eventually get them without them being trampled too much. David and Angela are no longer in contact. <laughs> that's probably one of the reasons why. They were, they were very, very popular though, Ray and Anita. Ray and Anita. Like Reaver's names, did they? No, no. They were the Dutch element, Ray and Anita, but they were actually mm -hmm. backroom boys, Jean-Paul de Coster and Phil Wilde. Right. Um, and they were from Belgium, so it's a proper kind of um, European type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm obsessed with their names. It's, they sound like your parents only on the only friends with no kids or something. We're popping round to Ray and Anita's to go yes. to Susie. They don't sound like Ravers. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Well, this was the follow up to No Limit, but it was diminishing returns, shall we say? I wish they'd called the album. It that. was, yes. Uh -huh. I mean, they eventually got into Megamix territory. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. Toby Anstis and Smash Hits called this a nice bit of pop. 
Well, we, we value his opinion above all else. And, and it was number one in Finland, so... Um, just, again, conjures an image. Now, diminishing returns. I obviously mm. have gone on record on this podcast and said Robin S. Show Me Love is one of the best dance songs of all time. Absolutely. However... This is like an amnesiac trying to sort of piece it back together from memory and it's come up with something not quite there. No. Um, but it is very similar. It's very, it's, very similar. Yeah. If you bumped into Love for Love... You would say, I'm sure I've met you before. And it's spelt terribly wrong. It's L-U-V for mm-hmm. L-U-V. Yeah. But yeah, it's Robin S. I mean, it's obviously yeah. sticking close the to S the S stands for Stone. I found that out yesterday. Robin Stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. In 1997, <laughs> Robin Stone did a cover of Midnight by Yazoo. And it's actually pretty good. Gosh, I'll, yeah. I'll have to investigate that. There we are, upstairs at Eric's. Did Robin have a hit with that? No, anywhere? of course not. Of course no. not. But it's it's out there. When I went to Liverpool this year for Eurovision, I paid a pilgrimage to, to Eric's. Yeah. And I made a point of not looking around to see all the, about the cavern and stuff. I was just there to see Eric's and then off I went. I did bump into the Silla Black statue. Literally. <laughs> did you, did <laughs> and, you see? Surprise, surprise. No. Well, actually, no. I made Gary take a video of me going, here's our dream with a reminder. And, <laughs> Everybody on the street just looked at me like I was a lunatic. Have you noticed an awful lot of Silla Black videos popping up on social Silla media? Silla Black's like, like meme central at the moment. Yeah. All the, the little videos for, from, I think, like Surprise Surprise or... Um, like singing, singing all sorts uh-huh. of random hits. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess Lovely with her. she's getting her moment in the sun again. Exactly. Where are we? I've lost, I've lost track. Simple. Sybil, Sybil. yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. When I'm good and ready, which again I think is a stock is a stock waterman. It was a stock waterman, yes. Stock uh-huh. waterman. Yes, uh, quite like I quite like this. Um, we used to go out and um, we used to dance to this in Club Exchange in Glasgow. We had, we had a friend at the time who was um bisexual and she um we used to dance to this and I I changed the words to it. You're asking me to share your bed, but are you sure if I'm ready yet? Yes. I would sing to her. You're asking me to share your bed, but are you sure if I'm lesbian? Which we all thought was hysterical at the time, but I now realise it's wildly inappropriate and, and it should not have been done. <coughs> um, Sorry, let me, Jackie. Let me throw you some facts. Um, <laughs> her third album was called Civilization. That's brilliant. That is a great, great title. She did that lovely cover of Walk On By as well, didn't she? She did. Is it lovely? Sybil was good. Nice line in hats as well, if I remember. If you watch those lovely Top of the Pops clips, Sybil always looks dead happy. Always... Oh, didn't she? She was, she was a ray of sunshine with Sybil. Oh, yeah. Dead please. Couldn't believe her luck. She's Sorry, lovely. Brian. Really nice. So, last fact, her cousin Maxine Jones was in a, on Vogue. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good pop fact. That's a good one. I've written here in my notes, we're starting a bit of a karaoke run, because uh, it's Danny. There was not much Minogue action in 1993. Um, no, it was the interregnum, wasn't it? It was Kylie, the kind of Kylie moving to deconstruction, growing mm-hmm. up, getting all trendy and stuff. So that was all happening in the background. So it, it gave Danny a chance to burst into the limelight with her karaoke mic. Uh-huh. And, and, and Danny, I think, top quality pop star. Yes. Um, she gave good cover version. It's, it's not it's not aged particularly well as a cover. The original has nothing to worry about. No, here, Melba Moore's Van McCoy, nineteen seventy six classic. Oh, yeah. it was the Van McCoy of Hustle fame. Oh. It was well, I, I've written hustling and a shuffling because he. Oh, the shuffle, yeah. I love, I love the shuffle by Van McCoy. It's, 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 Do you know what though? Danny like Danny's always always gives it everything. As Danny doing cover versions go, I will say the one from ninety two of Show You the Way to Go from the Enemy Number One's mm. album. It's better than the Jacksons. It goes off. It's it's it's. Everybody go back and listen to Danny Minogue. Show you the way yep. to go. 
marvel that it only got to like number 31 it should have been huge it's brilliant she choreographed the video herself good for her just like tony basil <laughs> just like tony basil and i've written mushroom records because you have to right so yeah karaoke disco and i've written sequencing malfunction number two because for mm-hmm. some reason dropped into the middle of lots of nice mid-paced disco dancing music is the time frequency and i'm going to say that again in that tone the time frequency how would you describe the time frequency now i mean where would you drop this on the compilation anyway nowhere I would drop it in the Clyde quite Oh honestly. yeah um, Let's just contextualise this Because the time frequency <laughs> may have passed a lot of people by Yes Particularly anybody south of oh, uh-huh. yeah, Anywhere if you, Yeah if you, if, you lived, if you weren't on the, the M8 corridor I'm not sure you, no. you knew about that, and, and that's a good point It wasn't even a Scottish wide thing It was very <laughs> much a 30-40 mile strip of the M8 <laughs> There was a very big What was called a I think a happy hardcore scene in Scotland. Happy hardcore, Happy yeah. hardcore scene. And there is a very good documentary about this on, I think, on BBC Scotland. You can probably pick it up on the iPlayer. But it was a very feverish scene, shall we say, of nosebleed fast, speeded up uh-huh. techno records. It was just incomprehensible to me. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, they had I a handful of hits. A government experiment to get away from boys to take out aggression without fighting because they were doing it all on the dance floor. Well, they really were, fast. they were, but then, but that not voguing, and that was much classier. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, Malcolm McLaren. But yeah, so the man behind this was a man called John Campbell, and they only had us. I mean, they only grazed the charts. This got to number seventeen. The follow-up, mm-hmm. which was a re-release of the first single, was called "Real Love," and that got to number eight, I think. The singer was Mary Kiani. Any stories about Mary Kiani? Well, says? I mean, not not from personal experience, <laughs> but she after the after she the parted ways. She didn't last that long with mm. Glasgow obviously a colonial a lot of money built Glasgow she called her club Slave so that was a good idea <laughs> um, and Slave only lasted five months but very famously and I, I know people who were there to witness it she would appear every night and stand at the top of the stairs and go welcome to my club <laughs> and, 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 and sort of Proceedings off, and it was just legendary. I think the illustrious journalist and friend of the podcast, Ian Wade, Wade had talked about provincial dance music when we were, <laughs> when we were talking about oceanic and insanity. And for, oh God. for anyone, yes. for anyone who needs to contextualise time frequency, that's what it was. It, it was provincial oh. dance music for small towns. And we've got certain types of young boys, as you see, very excited very quickly, mm-hmm. usually on tonic wine. We're not mentioning any brands, but Tonic no, Wine... No, no, no. Uh, available from behind ages in um, off-licenses in Glasgow. <laughs> Drink a bottle of that, and then you would just pester DJs who were trying to play decent dance music in clubs uh-huh. in Lanarkshire. Uh, anyway, I'm not getting personal. Go play some time frequency! That That's was it. What you get. That was yeah. it. Or play F and TTF was what they used to shout <laughs> at me. As far as now goes, this, I think, also sits as one of these... Put this on here if you get something else on the album. This is a bu- this is a bog off. It must be because it's. But surely six... they weren't on a label that had any power. Well, That's actually, what no. I'm just looking. Oh, no, they were. They were on Zomba Records. Zomba. Are we allowed to ask people to go back and listen? You probably should. You probably should go back and listen to it just to contextualise what we're talking about. No, if you if you've recently had an aneurysm, I wouldn't probably <laughs> go back and listen to it. So John Cicada, um, who we know obviously from Just Another Day. Yes. Um, Do you know what? It always amazes me that you, in those days you could have a hit just on the goodwill of your last one. You can imagine that now. Mm-hmm. Like, 
would never happen. No. Because this is just absolute bobbins. I think, I'm, I'm sure I, I kind of started to talk uh, odds about John Cicada once online and I got quite a bit of backlash, so I'm not going oh, down that a, road again. He's a, a fan lovely, base out there. Well, there is a Cicada fan base out there. Cicada fan base, that's a great name for a band. Who <laughs> yeah. we're the Cicada fan base? <laughs> I'd love to know. I've, I've always wondered this about pop stars. Like, say you have like a big hit, but n- not enough to like make a living off it. What do you do after? I mean, there's, there's a book about that actually, isn't there? Exit stage left, I think it's called. But yeah. like, it must be really like you've grasped, like you've starred them, and you've got there, and it's within your hands, and then it all falls apart, and it's like it must be one of the hardest things to come back from. Yeah. Like, so he was from Cuba. <laughs> I don't have many facts here. He wrote songs for Gloria Estefan, Ricky Martin, and Jennifer Lopez. There's a theme. Oh, he's, there. Old, he's fine then. There's a theme, but uh, this was the fourth of his nine top fifty-one hits. I do not remember there being that many. No, I don't think Good so. Good lord! One of those hits was was with Shanice from the film Pocahontas. I've not, I've not even ventured into that dark place. Is that Shanice of I Love Your Smile fame? Indeed, and she also really had one big song. hit, didn't she? If you're only going to have one hit, make it I Love Your Smile. It's a nice. uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to knock Shanice. Now, Kim Wilde has done a cover version of the classic song by Yvonne Elliman, and you enter at 16, If I Can't Have You. Right, back to the karaoke. Danny Minogue stuck her mic down, headed off to the bar. And it's one of my favourite ladies, Kim Wilde. Oh, I see, right, I, I love Kim Wilde. When I left a job a few years back, I accidentally mentioned I like Kim Wilde once to my work colleagues, and they bought me a Kim Wilde cardboard cutout for leaving work, which is oh, fabulous. I mean, it was, but it was only a wee one. She was about maybe what, 15 right. inches. So what to, era Kim Wilde was it? It was, it was from... Oh, Era, no, it was from a video. It was the second time video, Ooh. so it was proper. Ooh. One of my favourites. Yeah. Um, nice. And but I had to stand quite far back to look as if I was standing next to her. You know what I mean? <laughs> Perspective wise. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we tried it a few times. Uh-huh. She's in the loft now. But um, oh. I love Kim Wilde. I love Kim I love Kim Wilde. She's one of our best value pop stars. And I have to say, um, aesthetically, I love this period of Kim Wilde. She looks fabulous. We went through a funny year, few years with Kim Wilde, MCA. Yeah. But you're right. From the Love Is album, where she did like stuff with Rick Knowles, she's looking amazing on the cover again. Yeah. And then for the hit singles oh. collection, again, just windswept here and looking really those four pictures on the best uh-huh. of. I mean, it's yes. literally, you know. And I don't know who uh, did the design, but it's very, it reminds me very much of discography, the typeface and the, yeah. the sort of, it's, it's very sort of. Um, do you know, from there to Kylie's deconstruction album, actually, as well, it's the kind of similar mm-hmm. kind of that, dead simple lines, nice, yeah, nice all, thin fonts. But yeah, it's I a mean, shame I, if I can't have you, it's so rubbish, isn't it? That's that's the only thing. <laughs> it's like I've been chatting to you at the bar now, Kim, for ages, and you're uh-huh. one of my favourite pop stars. But this is absolutely bobbins. And do you know what? I thought this was a sort of Brothers in Rhythm production, but no, it's Ricky Wilde it's doing Ricky Brothers Wilde. in Rhythm. He's brother in Rhythm, Be- like literally. Be- um, so he's may not a, he's, he's not a bad stab at it. It's not bad. It's, just, it's it's the emergency cover version again, though, isn't it? It's, it's just that. But do you know what? Kim, still one of my favourite. I love stars. Kim Wilde. And when she did Here Come the Aliens a couple of years ago, the twelve-inch mix of Pop Don't Stop is just. Mm. A thing of wonder we take in Cambodia along the way. Oh. Um, you've got Ricky Wilde impersonating a radio on DJ. Having said that, if that's a bad cover version, <laughs> the next one goes off the scale. West End Girls by E17. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, 
Pet Shop Boys songs never cover well for some no. reason, and you don't have hits with them. And no. I think he's 17 were probably the first to find this out. I didn't even have any recollection of this version. I went back, I, and it's it's I couldn't wait for it to finish. It's really slow as well. They've uh-huh. slowed it down, and it's it, it just sounds lethargic. Like Brian Harvey's uh-huh. had too many shandies, and I mean I don't think they particularly wanted to do it either. Probably no, which is maybe why it sounds so no. It will this too? But it was what number eleven, and that was the first time E seventeen were there was a bit of wobble about them. A bit of wobble. Um, yep, they were coming off of. Deep, was it? Or They'd come off a deep well, on Now24, which had been good, and that had got them back into the market after gold, which had been rubbish. Yeah. So the official sleeve notes on Now25 says, West End Girls, the tenant low 80s classic, gave E17 their fifth hit in less than a year. It followed mm. House of Love, yep, gold, deep, and slow it down. Slow it down. My thing with West End Girls, and it's the same with the Sleaford Bonds version, West End Girls is a song for a faintly posh observer to sing. It's not meant to be sung by somebody you could imagine as the protagonist of the song. Yeah. So I don't want it sung by an East End boy or a West End girl. I want it sung by a Snoozy Northerner. Yeah. And that's why it's the Guardian's greatest number one single of all time. And I, I completely agree. Exactly. Alexa, show me 1993. Joey flippin' Lawrence. Oh. Rip Jean's gigantic hair that belonged more on Stephanie Beecham's head than his. So this um, was called Nothing My Love Can't Fix. Um, and again, I'm going back to the sleeve notes here. Star of the top-rated American TV comedy series Blossom. Blossom, starring my Bailey from the mm. Big Bang Theory. Stormed the, UK, stormed the UK top 20, it says here. The with, stormed is a, 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 a um, exaggeration. And again, the, the optimism is baffling. His first hit, which had reached number 13, and I, that was it. It wasn't going any higher. I've got some Joy Lawrence facts. Um, <laughs> he's bald now, I know that. Well, you know what you should do? You know how like some pop stars write their own Wikipedia? <laughs> Uh-huh. Right, I think Joey Lawrence writes. <laughs> Joseph Lawrence Mig Mig Joseph Lawrence Mignon Aye Mignona the Third. Oh, actor, musician, singer, songwriter, record producer, podcaster, and game show host. A couple of facts. This is a good one. The guys that wrote and produced this was two guys called Steve Barry and Tony Peluso, straight out of the the Sopranos. I'm sure, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but Steve Barry was one of the co-writers of Dizzy. As in the as 60s. In, as in Vic Rees and the Wonder Stuff. Well, I was thinking, first. The, yeah. yeah, the kind of uh-huh. Tommy Rowe, yeah. yeah. Tony Peloso gets even better because he played the guitar solo on The Carpenter's Goodbye to Love. Oh, and that, that's, that's fun to the but, CD, yeah. But he is the DJ at the beginning of calling occupants of interplanetary craft. <gasps> now you've impressed me. Wow, that is a fun fact. So, much, much more interesting than anything I can tell you about Joey Lawrence. I'm sorry, but that's not the correct answer. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that's absolutely right. But again, if if we're gonna leave Joey Lawrence and we are, um Well, tw- can I just say though, I think when they wrote this song, they were like, How's how close can we sail to Bobby Brown without getting sued? They sailed pretty damn close yeah. to oh, they did. all of Bobby Brown's hits. And they probably thought as well, can we write a rap worse than MC Scat Cats from opposite to track? Let's try. Let's I think they succeeded there yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah. Joey Lawrence was on the Mask Singer in America in ninety in uh, in twenty twenty two and he went he went out on nineties night, which is just perfect. Oh <laughs> fitting though. <laughs> That was side three, which was which was bumpy. I mean, it was 
Uh-huh. It was yeah. pretty bumpy, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and we get to side four, record two, side two. And I've written here in capital letters, no top ten hits at all. However, it starts with an unbelievable number 42 uh-huh. hit. I texted Ian last night going, oh my God, there's a total gem on this. So it's Efwa, who's Efwa Baker, and it's a track called Somewhere. It is like nothing you have ever heard before. It is it's ab- like you're having a drink with your gal pal, and she's telling you about this hilarious night she had. And it's just... The funniest, most natural sounding, it's funny, not, real, just, yeah. I don't know, I just, I, there aren't words to describe it, it's so unusual, but so brilliant and so British, I love it. It's not even like a song, it's like walking out of a club toilet into a club, oh, yes. and just basically chatting to somebody at the bar, and she's just telling you about how her life's going, and in the background is another band who are singing a song. Oh, and it oughtn't to work, but no. it just works so spectacularly it's, it's well. So, a wee bit of background. So, Effa <laughs> Baker is Mrs. Jazzy B. To this day, I believe. To this day, she is Mrs. Jazzy B. She was a model and a dancer. She'd been in videos. You've maybe seen her in the Lil Louis video called I Called You. Soul to Soul's video, Dreams to Dreams. She's in that. She's in Maxi My favourite Soul to Soul song. Yeah. Maxi Priest video, Close to You. I think her record career was stunningly short. But uh-huh. what a song to leave with. The bit where she goes, penthouse, career, <laughs> pussy. It's just... <laughs> it's like the genesis of Lily Allen. You can hear Nina Cherry in there as well. And it's, it's mm-hmm. just it's and it's, fabulous. It's all, it's all quite self Facing nothing, nothing about it is bragging. It's a woman with a sense of humour about herself. It just, it just brought the biggest smile to my face. And she quotes "Green Eggs and Ham" by Dr. Seuss in it, my favourite book as a kid. It's just doing all the right things. Yeah. I don't understand why this only made forty-two. I honestly don't know, but absolutely props to now team at the mm-hmm. time for picking this up. There's a line, and you know, you talk about that kind of Brit sensibility in there, that kind of thing. And she's, and she's talking about you know falling in love and seeing somebody, and she says, you know, the moment was swoon croon. Moon and June, Mills and Boone. Now that means nothing Incredible. to nobody outside this nope. sector dial. <laughs> Isn't that it's just oh Fwa somewhere? Make it your mission, listeners. At any point. Yes, although it's not on streaming, as far as I can tell. Oh, um, I, I couldn't oh. find it. So that is a job for who's the chap that does? Um, he used to write for the Pop Boy. He does the contacting labels and get them to put yes. like old CD singles on streaming. Yeah. Do you know yes. what? There's enough people who've been on this podcast and enough people who mm-hmm. listen to this podcast in the industry who can go yes. out... What, and... what label was she on at the time? Wait, hang on, hang on. <laughs> was it, would, would she be on 10? Soul soul? It would, well, if it's Soul to Soul, it would be 10, which would be Virgin. I'm just looking at the record. The record, folks. I've actually got the record out of its sleeve. It was on Virgin Records. Yep, you're absolutely ah, there you on. Right. Yeah. Virgin, right. get this on streaming this week, please. Yeah, absolutely. Save us all digging into old YouTube clips. Come mm-hmm. on. Or you could just go to your local Discogs and buy Now25 as well. You'll get Joey Lawrence for nothing. Okay, pace down. Shady, not singing <laughs> Lulu. No ordinary love. I've written here, you need the full seven-minute version of this. Yes, would agree. It's a lovely seven-inch mix on here, but actually you need it to just wallow it's just a wallowy hot summery type track it's brilliant a fun fact about me is that the boyfriend of my friend tim made the dress the, the mermaid dress that she wears in the video that's my connection to it though i have no connection i've written down this is a caravan <laughs> in cornwall but uh, that's something yeah. you, you that's all you need to know was this in a film was this in decent proposal it was in decent proposal yeah i was trying to remember this last night i knew it was uh, it was in one of those right like, 90s sexy love movies and and honestly it's uh, way better than the than, than the movie i love how shady feeds us She's like a comet coming around every yes. 72 years. You know what? It's it served really well. I thought it was bigger than this. I thought, I thought it got higher than, what, 26? 14. Um, 14, <laughs> was it? 
Fourteen still didn't seem big it's enough. Probably for it. America got it more, didn't? Oh they? yeah, this won a Grammy in nineteen ninety four. Of course it did. Quite rightly so. Yeah, but that's you see, she just orbits the world and just drops little drops of space dust every now and then. Shadi, mm-hmm. just there we go. She Have could that. do it maybe a little bit more often now. It's been quite a while. Now. It has been quite a while. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, what does Shadi do when she gets up in the morning? I mean, I don't know. She probably bathes in a pile of money from all her hits. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but no, but I mean, does she not ever think? I could write another song. Maybe do another song. And then she goes, nah. Maybe she gets other songs from Lulu and Lulu's not calling <laughs> Oh, come back, Shaddy, please. Right, here we go. Here we go. The roller coaster rocks up ever so slightly. <laughs> I'm living in a box. It's Richard sure. Derbyshire. Uh, do you know what I wrote down? Rightfully rejected by the record buying public. <laughs> Number 50. Well done, UK public. Perfect. You know how they say that every song, somewhere on the planet, it's somebody's favourite song? This one isn't. No. That's Nobody not, likes this song. It's really not. And he's not even in Living in a Box anymore. Do you know who's Richard Derbyshire in Living in a Box now? Who? Kenny Thomas. No way! Is uh-huh. he? Kenny Thomas is now in Living in a Box, or he was the last time I saw an advert for them. Oh, uh, do you know... It's, it was Living in a Box feet. Kenny Thomas. Do you know, and I'm going to say this and it's probably wrong and it's actually based on no factual evidence whatsoever, but Kenny Thomas is too small to be living in a box. Yes, uh uh-huh. Because they were all quite sort of statuesque, weren't they? You you think about living in a box video, they had their suits on, like, you know, the state agents and they look quite intimidating. Kenny Thomas... He needs to be standing on a box. I'm standing on a box. (laughs) (laughs) Now, actually, we could do lots of them. He would be balancing on the scales of justice. He would (laughs) not be blowing the house down. Oh, no. And Um, there would be room in the heart for Kenny Thomas. Oh, you well done. Did you, you must have that prepared? Did you? That's I've got no head. notes. I've got no notes. I don't even incredible. know members of my family's names, but I've just rhymed off four <laughs> living in a box tracks. That's incredible. There we are. On a tangential subject, a linked subject, Kenny Thomas, did you know, you probably do, that St Etienne's People Get Real was originally called Kenny Get Real? No, I didn't so know much. that. Yeah. <laughs> Get on the floor and look real sexy. Yeah. Listen to the words. It's all about... Uh, it's it's like all about Kenny Thomas. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, you've done well. You can have some uh, Richard Derbyshire facts. Um, that mm-hmm. song, well, first of all, I, I do like this. Um, and again, I don't think he is writing his Wikipedia. Um, that living in a box split up in 1990 after artistic differences. <laughs> that implies some art in the first. Leave this that. is terrible. Ruben Your Heart was quite good. Ruben Heart was good. Actually, Blow the House Down was not a bad. Tr- well, okay, anyway. Uh, right. Um, what else have we got here? This was co written with Lisa Stansfield. Did the um, James Brown cover Living in a Box? I thought you were going to say covered this. Uh, oh, oh, oh I yeah, I would love to hear James Brown yeah. singing "Living in a Box." I think I made that up, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> but let's yeah. let let's just pause for a second to let people imagine that. Okay. Um, yeah. So th- this is quite good. Richard Derbyshire's wife, Sonia Jones, who was a vocal coach, she sung the title track to "Life of Brian." Right. That is interesting. Doesn't make me any more interesting. Oh, jeez, in no. No, no, none whatsoever. Right, number 50, we scoop up the charts to number 24 <coughs> for OMD. Ah, Dream of Me. Ah, uh-huh. it's an odd period for OMD, this. It's, Obviously, it's, Paul's gone off long ago by this point. It's the, it's the kind of clinging on the dumper, the dumper's dragging you, but you're mm-hmm. hanging back. And, you know, they're, they're only a couple of years back from Pandora's Box and Sailing yeah. the Seven Seas. And they, they were I, all. I quite you know. liked this. Yeah. And. I realised that a few years later, um, there's another record that I like that is similar to this, and it's Kylie's The One. They have a similar feel. And yeah. the reason I like Kylie's The One is because it reminds me of the theme from Drama Rama, which is a kiddie Drama-rama. program on TV back in the day. Yeah. You listen to The One, and this 
it's similar production. So they both remind me of the theme from Dramarama, which is quite what I like. Yeah. So it should have been Dream of Me based on Dramarama theme. This isn't a bad song, but no. I've, I've written in my notes, this man co-wrote Enola Gay. Exactly. That whole period of OMD, it doesn't feel very OMDS. It feels like he should have made the decision to write for other people sooner. Is it as bad as Sailing on the Seas? Nothing is. The lyrics of this, the listen back to it, seem to just be Andy McCluskey explaining how he nicked a Barry White song. Yes, I had an idea based on a love theme. That's yeah. all he sings. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure he wasn't fully committed at this point. I don't just... think so. I don't think so. The, the B side was called "The Place You Fear Most." <laughs> I would say "The Place You Fear Most." The A side, Andy, but there we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, no, number twenty-four. I'm probably mm-hmm. yeah, it's about. Place you fear most is the bargain bin at Woolworth, where you found yourselves quite a lot. At this oh, point. I'd imagine so. Uh... I'd imagine so. You are the best thing, Deereen. Now, I'm, I'm so confused because looking back, I loved this record, but looking back, to, there's so many versions. There's well, a 92 version, a 93 version, a 94 version. And I, I don't know which is the one that I love the most. I've written here, no wonder I have no recollection of the 90s because mm. there was always a D-Dream single out somewhere at some point. Yes. So this, this was the first time this was released. No, it wasn't. It was first released in July oh. 92, it got to number 72. Then this was reissued, Summer 93, got to number 19. Then they re-released Things Will Only Get Better, and that obviously was the bang, it got to number one. Yes, then, that wasn't for the Labour win, though, was it? No, that was 97. No, that was God. 97. And <laughs> then, this is why nobody can remember the 90s. Uh-huh. And then in 1994, this got remixed again and got to number four as the follow-up to Things Can Only Get Better. And yes. pops up again on now 28. So... <sighs> I'm, I'm going to take a drink, hang on. Anyway, it's got a flute on it, and that makes any record good, if you ask me. And That's it's quite a sinister-sounding flute, so I really, I, 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 I love this I love song. It. I love it, I love it. This was a big club record as well. D-Ream were quite a big issue. They were. He favoured quite a wide collar, if I remember. A large collared shirt. He did. Yeah, which made him look like a magician. I always but. think Peter Kuna was an, another one of these people who always looked dead happy to be on, on anything. He always looked yes. like, I've, I'm, I'm quite happy to be here. Um, and he was one of the first pop stars. He, he went on the cover of Attitude magazine quite early, which was yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah. Seemed like a nice guy. Very much so. Unfortunately, saddled with that one song, which is kind of... Nah, that's it. Um, things did not get better. So this was now 25, You're the Best Thing. It was on now 28. Now, some people will say, but that was the remix, so it's not the same song. But I'm saying it is the same song, right? Yeah. Is that the fastest ever repeat of a single song on the now sequence? Now 25 to now 28 must be. Must, it be. must be surely. Must be. What other instances are there of something happening? Oh, I don't know. So fast. I don't yet know. So distinctive. But there must be. Mm. But that's that's a year of a gap. Now, funnily enough, watch this here. Watch this, listeners. Oh, the yeah, next huh. track Same is Juliet Roberts, which is caught in the middle, which also was released, I think, every single month of the nineties, and was yes, just constantly, the law. constantly remixed, constantly re-released, constantly Pete Tong's record of the week. That also was a now 28 as well. Now, now again, the 90s, so confusing. Oh. I would have sworn the original was a Frankie Knuckles production, but mm. it's the next one, yes. the next note that's um, the Frankie Knuckles version. Maybe this one was also produced by Ricky Wilde, I don't know. It's a great record. I don't think it travelled very far north, to be honest. I didn't get to know it um, until well, much later on. I did try and play this to the good people of Lanarkshire, but mm-hmm. I was generally... 
face with lots of just sticky carpet patches while everybody yes, disappeared. Uh-huh. It wasn't a big floor filler, which is a shame because th- this is where my DJ head was at. A lot of those big yeah. kind of clubs. You should have been down at the front in Brixton instead. I should have been. I was. I should have been. Oh, the tuxedo. No, they didn't like it either, <laughs> to be honest. But but no, it's just like so. That that's one of those songs that never went away. It's the same to me as "Where Love Lives" by Alison Limerick, which also was oh, was released God, yes. about seventy six times within the space of two years. Um, now that is that is that is probably the the most nineties clubbing record. Just that was that prompted to do the dance floor whenever it came on. You'd run, just amazing. Yeah. So, but it's absolutely no wonder we can't remember the nineties because. No. Yeah. <laughs> and I like as well. It's uh, this wasn't a re-release. This was reactivated. Brilliant. I'm going to put my neck out and I'm going to say that's the last decent song in this album. Oh, um, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm, I'm so pleased. You don't Thank you, everyone. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because there are th- there are three again wonderful side four slide. Uh-huh. Oh, now that kind of uh, off the end of an album. First up on uh, we've got track seven of nine on side four is "Break from the Old Routine" by We Three. Another one that I had completely forgotten. I had mm. to listen to. It's, I don't know. I mean, it left my head for a reason, and I can't say I'm thrilled to have to no. make room for it again. Although I did find out that that Blair from the group is of Terry Blair and Anushka. Yes, that's right. So that's, that's right. the one interesting thing about it. Um, Otherwise, it's just three people who went to public school trying to well, sound a bit continental. They were probably a collective. Mm-hmm. Yes, probably... uh, we've bought those white jeans. We're going to have to make a band out of them now. We could no, do that. No. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so that was it. So number 17, seven places higher than Caught in the Middle and a whole 33 places higher than Richard Darbyshire. Did we talk about Utah Saints in now 19? No, we didn't. We probably should have, but they're not there. Well, what, have I said anything about this in my extensive notes? Oh, it says, Ian, I really hated this. Please don't make me talk about it. <laughs> well, I'm just going to extend it ever so slightly by saying this was the first of the Utah Saints single to land outside the top 10 after, I mean, let's face it, some pretty big bangers. It always amazes me who Kate Bush will pick up the phone to. Do you know what I mean? Go West ring. Utah Saints ring. She's like, hello? Yes, I will appear on your yes, record. I know. I don't know. Utah Saints bank balance must be... Pr- I mean, the royalties must have been a nightmare. All their singles... They must um, I mean, again, I'm, I'm going to, you know, use that amazing skill to remember in name pop facts. You've got Gwen Guthrie, The Eurythmics, Kate Bush, um, Human League. Anyway, this one, pop fans, was based around a sample by Slayer. <laughs> So I think we've given Utah Saints at least two and a half minutes longer than we were going to. So we'll move on to Mm -hmm. the epic end of the album track. Now one. The first Now album finishes with Victims by Culture Club, which has me in tears every time I hear it. And here we are with Zeros and Ones by Jesus Jones. Imagine being their record label. Was it EMI? It was food, wasn't it? Yeah. And getting that third album. And um, you hear the first thing, and you're like, oh, shit, this is the first thing. But like, oh, God. I know. This is the argument for never going on tour, because the songs you write when you're on tour are rubbish for almost everyone. You're divorced from everyday reality. You've got nothing to sing about but being in hotel rooms or doing whatever. Anyway, it's just absolute tosh. What a racket. It was the first album to be recorded no entirely digitally onto a computer on floppy disks, and the UK public responded appropriately by mm. not buying it mm. at all. Like Jesus Jones had a sort of like sliding doors moment where they were gonna, they were looking like they were going yeah. quite poppy. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh, international bright young singer, mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And they could have gone down that road and been a serviceable British pop band. Yeah. And instead, they just forgot how to write a tune and spent all their money in a skateboarding shop. And it's just, it's just, oh, it's a cautionary tale, pop fans. A cautionary mm-hmm. tale.
We've reached the end of Now 25. Right, okay, here's the moment. If you were going to replace any tracks on here, you did a sterling job on Now 19. You I've, brought, done a, I've done a similar thing with, with um, a couple of songs. You brought to. class to that because you, you oh. thought it through. We had, we had, we had Mylene Farmer on there. We had mm-hmm. French pop. We had all sorts I'm of... I'm hoping brilliant. to have done a similar job tonight. <laughs> I am going to sit back and I'm going to let you explain incredibly eloquently how you would improve Now 25. Right. Well, I've, I've only got two substitutions on this case. And, and like the last time, these are ones that were... Um, into the Pop Void songs, i.e. songs that weren't hits. But not being a hit is no barrier to being on Now 25, if you think about it. No, it's certainly not. uh, (laughs) No. So my first one I would love to have seen on it is Donna DeLore. She was um, one of Donna and Nicky, Madonna's backup singers. And she released a song called Just a Dream in summer 93. Madonna and Patrick Leonard song, I think maybe it's an offcut from like a prayer session because it's got a very sort of similar urgency to Till Death Do Us Par. Madonna's on the backing vocals. It was Donna's moment in the sun to shine and she's such a good potential pop star and it's a really joyous, it rattles through in about three minutes. Was it just a dream or did you hear my heart beating? It's a great, great pop song. Right. And the other one is Vegas. Now, do you remember when Terry Hall and Dave Stewart Stewart. made an album together? Was it the second or the third single was called Walk Into The Wind? This is one of my favourite songs of all time. It's a not quite duet with Uh Siobhan Faye. She's doing... A lot of the backing vocals and she gets a few lines at the end. It's a mid, it's what I call a middle-aged love song about people who've been around the block and um, are sort of facing an uncertain future and they're not quite sure whether to what to do and they just decide to go for it. And it's just these two old sort of war horses of pop almost sort of going off into the sunset together. It's beautiful. And you know, like, on the list of things that Siobhan does well, on this, her voice is just lovely and smooth and resigned and calm sounding. And I just love it. And they, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous song. And the whole album's there on streaming now. So oh. go and listen to Walk Into The Wind. Dawn is on streaming now as well, actually. With just a dream. So oh, do you, know, you can now listen to both of these on the go. Can we just also point out, we've mentioned two of Terry Hall's offsp- uh, offshoots on this. We have, haven't we? Terry Hall came into my Virgin Mega store once and I served him. It was early noughties. And he'd get up to the counter and I don't remember what he asked for. I went, oh, what brings you to Glasgow? And he went, I don't know, I just got on a train. Oh. And I went, oh, but he smiled at me. I was like, you get a smile from Terry Hall, that's better. That's thing. impressive. He's famous for it. That's so that's my wee Terry Hall story. I am going to throw in to the mix. This will surprise nobody that listens to this podcast or anybody I know. One Dove. One Dove, yes. It was released in August 93, so it's perfect. And it got seven places blooming higher than Richard Darbish on the charts as well. So White Love by One Dove. Anytime I mention them online, I get so much response. Andy Weatherill produced brilliant dream pop. Oh, it's mm. just amazing. 2024, we're hoping for a re-release of that album because it's brilliant. That would be nice. Last night from Glasgow should do it. They're a really good little re oh, They're bringing know, out Jerry Burns' album. Jerry Burns' album's I'm coming out. It. Sometimes I'm Wild mm. by Jerry Burns. It just melts my heart every oh. single time. She's, and, we oh. put it on at work the other day. Somebody uh, brought the CD in and we put it on. And, and people kept coming up and asking what it was. So mm. It's just never got a fair crack of the whip. It's so no, good. No, it's amazing. And it's so great it's coming back out. So The other two I picked as well. Delicate by Tenstrand Darby and Desiree. <gasps> yes, and Desiree. That's a great song. It's a great song. 
Tears Trent Derby's album. Symphony of Jam. Symphony of Jam is uh, just... Uh, uh-huh. just uh, Talk about a comeback. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. But also as well, Pet Shop Boys, Can You Forgive Her? Did that come out in September or something? Was it too late? Or I was... don't know, because I was looking... Because Go West was out. Go West was... was yeah, that's right. was, was out. That's an odd one to miss out. And I it's don't one know. of their absolute greatest. That would have started side one brilliantly. Oh, or finished it even. Like, Wonderful. We also have them as the last well, track. But can you imagine that closing down side last well, track on the album? Here's the thing. Amazing. Right, here's the thing. Track seven, we're going to take off We Three and put in Vegas. We're going to take off Utah Saints and put on One Dove. Yep. And we're going to finish with Can You Forgive Her. That's what, that, would, that would be thrilling to me. Whenever I listen to Can You Forgive Her, when I'm out on public transport, I always have to time my exit so that the doors shut at the very end. And I get off the doors. Just the, just the driver, get off the bus! <laughs> no, no, I'm waiting! Here's the thing, you have to extrapolate two songs. So what are you going to take? Oh, this is easy. Um, Ethua, I'm taking with me. Yes. Because um, it's just bloody brilliant. I want to take it everywhere I go. Oh, and yeah. then um, New Order Regret. Fantastic. Niall, thank you so much for oh, your second visit honestly, to Back to Now Towers. Uh-huh. Thank you so much for having me back. I mean, I have been waiting in reception ever since. I'm so thrilled. I just have the best time. And, and this one's been like an absolute joy of, of memories. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. But the music of the time is just, some of it's terrible, some of it's brilliant. Like it, like it always is. But it, this one's a real, real fun one to do. And a surprising amount of, of Scottish provincial nightclubs we've covered. <laughs> we have done an awful lot of provincial Scottish nightclubs in here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what if there was a year of my life that i would write a book about it's 1993 so i'm really glad i, I picked this one even though it was by accident it's a, a lot to remember and a lot of life lessons learned and many of these songs are inextricably tied up with it so it's been an absolute joy niall thank you so much <laughs> take care i'm gonna go and have a dinner now <laughs>